Hello and welcome to On Topic with IU. My name is Kenny Smith with the Media School at Indiana University Bloomington. Today I'm joined by Joel Shedd, the Assistant Dean for Teacher Education in the School of Education at Indiana University Bloomington. Dean Shedd, thanks for making the time to speak with me today. Certainly, I'm happy to. Wanted to talk with you about some of the developments in the school systems across Indiana. And just recently, the Indiana Department of Education started their summer off by rolling out what the fall is possibly going to look like for students across the states. So let's ask the broad question and the somewhat tricky question first. What is school (laughs) going to look like for children come this fall? Wow, that is a tricky and curious question. I will say for the most part, Um, Every school corporation is going to um, make it look, and we have to put in air quotes, I guess, the word normal these days, Um, but they are going to make it be as normal as possible with a top priority on um, kids' safety and their health, um, but also a respect for how important it is that kids are in school. And these sorts of decisions are going to be made not at the state level, but more locally. Is that correct? Clearly. Given the guidelines that we all receive from Superintendent McCormick, um, they are going to be local decisions, yes. How are schools going to start figuring out these tricky solutions in terms of it it was said that some schools may be meeting face-to-face. There might be others where there is some study-at-home components. How do we figure out things like um, parents who have to go to work? And it's difficult to both, you know, mentor at home, but also conduct their own professional lives. Um, exactly. And and that is a serious concern and, and a, a, one of the top priorities that each of the school corporations is reflecting upon. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is curious that we could have over 290 different approaches to this here in the state of Indiana. That's how many school corporations we have. But uh, generally, I, the local decision makes sense because a, a local uh, school corporation is going to have a sensitivity to what parents um, need, what the local economy uh, needs in terms of care for all of the children, all the students in their local communities. There are so many new things to think about. There are parents who send their kids to school, and and, and if it's a dual-income family or if it's a single parent, they have to go to work. But how do I do right. that if my kid's at home? That's one issue. But And, and, and it goes, it, it, it's across the board, right? Assuming there are social distancing issues that we're going to be trying to honor for the school year. At the school level, then things have to be reworked across the board as well, from the morning bus ride to class sizes, how we handle breakfast or lunch in the cafeteria, so on throughout the day. What kind of impacts might those sorts of changes and challenges have on students in terms of their actual performances? That's tough, and I think I need to start from um, that everyone, all of our teachers and school administrators are reflecting upon the impact of the last nine weeks, if you will, of our past school academic year. Um, There are um, unknowns as to the extent of individual learners' progress in those last nine weeks because everyone was thrown, uh, for the most part, into a totally new environment. So as um, academic plans are being made for the coming school year, that 
that is a uh, a first question, if you will, uh, to determine how you know how can we assess, how do we ensure that, for example, fourth graders are where um, uh, teachers expect fourth graders to be. Um, though there's never, you know, it's not the same for every fourth grader, so I don't want to um, imply that. But um, every uh, teacher has to be thinking of and reflecting on, are there additional assessments, additional um, approaches that uh, the teacher needs to take to be sure they're meeting the learner where they're at, um, given what was so different about the last nine weeks of the previous academic year. Um, as to, you know, does the way in which we teach, meaning is it face-to-face or is it um, through the uh, using laptops and uh, various materials on learning management systems, uh, that clearly that um, that is different for each learner. So I think some uh, are doing swimmingly. They they probably love the independence, um, and they probably excel at having you know being able to go through it at their at their own pace. Um, others uh, clearly struggle, though that would be true in any classroom setting. There is not one perfect way to deliver instruction for all students. Um, and so the talent and the strength of our teachers is that they're able to assess the best ways to meet each of their learners' needs. Um, and to provide them the resources that um, they'll require. That we have to socially distance, and so an elementary school may not have all, you know, 25 to 30 learners in the same classroom. It's just, you know, a new um, challenge, uh, a new opportunity, both for the teachers and the learners. And in some respects, they're they will have available to them additional resources um, in terms of being able to use either e-learning opportunities or um, online resources in an additional and or different way than they would have if we were not in this current setting. Does that make sense? I think it does, and it's going to be so highly variable, it just seems like, because all these students will be different. And I presume there's not a modern guidebook for a reset like this. But I did want to ask you, based on the answer that you've just started spelling out for us there, how are teachers going to handle these scenarios? Some students might need an additional remediation. Is that going to be in the classroom, teacher-student dynamic, uh, student-by-student basis, or will there be something that the teachers get mandated from above that helps formulate this as a structure? I personally, from my perspective, can't imagine that being a mandate. Uh, I, we all respect the, um, the professionalism and the expertise of classroom teachers to know how to um, address the unique needs of all of our learners. There certainly may be particular guidelines as to, um, you know, pre-assessments or uh, considerations that teachers 
who for the most part are meeting new learners this year, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, a teacher's got her new fifth fifth grade class or he has the new uh, middle school class. So there could certainly be guidelines as to um, what teachers might reflect on as they start their school year. But I can't imagine um, mandating something. I certainly can't imagine that anyone would be using standardized assessments to uh, get a feel for how the school year is going to start. I've been reading a little bit about this concept called the summer slide, and teachers know exactly what that is about. I'm assuming there's not any research yet on this as an outlier year, but talk a bit about that concept in general, the summer slide. The summer slide refers to a, a concern and um, you know research that suggests that if learners aren't in school from the end of May till August or on the East Coast, it's the middle of June till Labor Day, that um, there is a decline in their retention of what they've learned uh, in the school year. So there's you know been a, a persistent concern as to do we always have to start a new school, uh, school year with refreshers or a checking in as to where all the learners are um, because it's been, you know, what, eight to ten weeks since they've been in a classroom before. Um, I think for this school year, given the, you know, new circumstances of the last nine weeks of the previous school year, that will be um, – there's an added dimension to that in that because of the variability of the teaching in the last nine weeks, being sensitive to assuming that each of the learners has done um, as well as they would have if they were in the classroom full-time those last nine weeks. With that added dimension, what are teachers hoping that parents might do to keep their children prepared because of the unusual spring and engaged over this long summer? At some level, uh, Kenny, I don't know that that's any different than any summer. School corporations, uh, public libraries, um, community centers always have offered opportunities for, you know, summer reading programs, um, different um, inquisitive Um, activities, opportunities to keep learners engaged and curious and wanting to know more. So I don't know that there was anything particularly new about that for this summer. It's just um, in my mind that the resources are different in that they're um, more online. And, And if there are summer schools that school corporations are offering, those are all online. Um, and for the parents um, who are working full time, you know, there are probably limits in any trips or walks or, you know, hikes through parks. All of those kinds of things are probably more uh, limited, but at some level they always have been. So I don't think there's anything different that parents might be doing. It's just that the resources available to them are, are I'm sure, different. More with Dean Jill Shedd in a moment, but first a word from On Topic with IU's Emily Miles. Thanks, Kenny. I had the privilege of talking with director of the Walter Center for Career Achievement, Joe Lovejoy. We walk through how new graduates can find meaningful work in a job market affected by the pandemic. 
if you are just, you know, creating one resume and dropping it in a hundred places, you're doing nothing to help that organization understand why you are the best fit candidate. Students need to really think about connecting the dots for the employer. Like it's unreasonable for a student to assume that an employer is going to connect the dots between that student's experience and why they'd be a good hire. And so taking time, slowing down, really tailoring your application materials, understanding the organization and what their needs are, and tailoring a set of application materials to communicate why you are the best fit person for that role while you are qualified is really, really important. You can hear more of this conversation with Joe Lovejoy in another of our recent episodes of On Topic with IU. Thanks, Emily. Jill Shedd is the Assistant Dean in the School of Education at Indiana University Bloomington. What are some of the socialization implications for students having the 2020 school year cut so short and this long lag before they do get back in front of their peers and friends? For the learners, I will imagine and I, I will hope that they have an added appreciation for friendship, um, for teachers, for the um, routines and the opportunities that school offers. I will um, hope and actually imagine that they will be so excited to get back to school. So in some respects, I think this experience will have afforded um, learners to reflect on those values. Um, I do have, I have to say, I do have concerns that Unfortunately, we have a percentage of learners who are not in the most healthy um, home setting. And I think all of us worry for them and worry for their, uh, their well-being emotionally and mentally. So, I, so there are concerns as to new behaviors, different anxieties that some learners may be bringing back to the classroom. I think that issue we haven't discussed enough. I know schools, individual teachers, um, individual administrators are well aware of those situations and have been uh, very concerned for those who may not be in the most um, healthy and supportive home settings. And this last nine weeks uh, will have been a challenge for those kids. Along the same line, how are school corporations facing the realities of various socioeconomic differences that can be displayed across their student populations? So the most apparent one that we all had to deal with was the uh, um, the the internet uh, accessibility for those who went to e-learning, and that was that's been a challenge for all school corporations. Um, those who, that they're literally, we have way too many, um, we have way too many places here in the state of Indiana that do not have stable, accessible internet. Um, I will hope that our state legislators uh, address that. Um, but so for those, they've had to rely on, um, you know, paper packets um, and had to rely on a very different way of delivering um, instruction. Uh, and in other school corporations, um, I know my uh, corporation here in Columbus, Indiana, we had to, we had to purchase hotspots 
that we delivered to um, homes that we could ensure that those learners had access to the uh, learning materials that we were providing online. That disparity just in terms of access to instructional materials um, is a real challenge and is that is just a fundamental issue of inequity that communities and this state really need to address. In May, USA Today rolled out an Ipsos poll saying that one in five teachers were unlikely to go back to school in the fall if classes were held in person. Uh, nearly two-thirds says uh, they haven't been able to do their jobs properly because of this disruption in the spring. With this sort of information coming to administrators now, how do corporations prepare for these potential challenges amongst uh, proper work performance, but also the possibility that they may be understaffed? That is a um, wild concern. Um, I think every school corporation is reaching out to their teachers. I think um, as they are able to, they're taking advantage of the summer to include teachers in the conversations as to what's going to be next, what the 2021 school year is going to look like, um, and to do their best in ensuring uh, their retention. Um, I have to say that, that that issue is juxtaposed to the financial realities that school corporations are facing, the major unknowns as to the retention. Well, I think everyone assumes we will not retain the same level of state financial support. So that has impact on school corporations being able to replace uh, teachers who make a decision not to return. It's a great question, uh, Kenny, because that is the quandary. Um, Social distancing will not allow schools to increase class size, which could be one response to um, the loss of teachers. In that respect, it may... um, require school corporations to think of different teaching resources and opportunities. And then schools are dealing with, yeah, but are we going to be able to afford uh, replacing every teacher who might choose not to return? That is a great question and probably one of the least known um, answers that uh, anyone could provide, certainly not me. It's, it seems like there's almost a double whammy here. There's another poll that has a lot of parents, about 6 and 10, saying they're considering at-home schooling in the fall. And 30%, according to the same poll, again, a USA Today Ipsos poll, said they were very likely right. to consider homeschooling. There's some practical and financial implications for the school systems, am I right, if those numbers do hold like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here in the state of Indiana, we are funded per student. So um, what I uh, would aspire and hope that parents would consider is we can all respect that, you know, we want our loved ones to be safe and healthy so that even if parents wanted to uh, keep their uh, children at home, that they would still enroll and take advantage of the um, online learning opportunities or different resource opportunities that a school corporation would provide. I think school corporations will continue to have those options 
because uh, everyone's going to have learners who physically, um, for health reasons, cannot return. Uh, so everyone's going to have to have some kind of uh, learning option. And, um, and we even talk about that in, at Indiana University. So I would, I, I respect, we all would respect those parent choices, um, but I would certainly encourage those parents to reach out to their local school corporations to enroll and to take advantage of the alternative learning opportunities that they could provide. The school nearest my house, it's a middle school, it's had a sign out front all spring pointing people toward food and medication distribution. And it's just been a great reminder that many schools have a lot of roles after the last bell of the day. How are those community roles going to change this year, or will they change? It is my opinion that they will never change. Um, schools, schools offer so much more than instruction. Um, in my own school corporation, the number of meals that we served out of buses that were distributed throughout our community is mind-boggling. Um, but schools all have a commitment to the health and the safety of our children. So as school corporations are able to afford it, um, they are continuing to provide those food services and um, medical assistance that we always do. I know here in Columbus, what the number of meals that we provide during the summer, even though those kids are not in schools, is amazing. Um, and no school corporation, as long as they can afford it, will ever stop doing that. Um, and I, I appreciate your question to emphasize to everyone that schools are so much more to learners than academic instruction. We offer so many more services and so much more support to uh, children in our communities than just academic instruction. As you said, and the state has indicated, a lot of the decisions that govern what will go on in school corporations across this next school year will be made locally. You pointed out 290 school corporations, so obviously we can't answer today each question for each parent in each area. How do they find out the answers that are going to apply to their students? Great question. I would encourage um, parents to um, monitor very closely their school corporation's website. Um, as, as was alluded to earlier, School corporations just got state guidelines um, last Friday. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I again, I can speak from my perspective here in Columbus. Um, the local school corporation has, was working on all kinds of scenarios and considerations, uh, primarily utilizing the CDC guidelines for schools um, to start develop, you know, start planning. But uh, planning in earnest uh, really didn't begin until after last Friday, um, waiting to see what the state of Indiana was going to do, um, if they were going to mandate anything. So I think the best thing I could encourage parents to do is to monitor their school's uh, website. 
um, their corporation's website. Um, um, everyone in school corporations respect that parents need some answers and need to do some planning. And um, they will all be working hard to keep the most up-to-date information on their website. Jill Shedd from the School of Education at Indiana University Bloomington. Thank you for joining us today, Dean. Thank you. It was wonderful. You asked great questions to reflect upon. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. And we thank you for joining us as well. For more information, follow us on social media. On Topic with IU is on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe and download this podcast from services like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search On Topic with IU on your favorite podcast provider. And on social media, be sure to search the hashtag InThisTogether to stay up to date on the broader statewide campaign. For On Topic with IU... I'm Kenny Smith.